G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode. Today I have Caleb from Send It Mate. How you doing mate? Man, I'm I'm awesome. It's good to be here. It's good to hear. It's been a been a journey to get you here. I've I've been wanting you here, but I wanted to split you guys up. So Ryan's going to be the last one, unfortunately. Oh look, I was him. I was a bit jealous when you had Josh on first. <laughs> if I'm honest, <laughs> I think his schedule just just fit a bit better being oh. the uh, single man with no kids. Really, <laughs> yeah, generally has a bit more free time on his hands. So good on him. <laughs> so let's get straight into it. Where are you from, man? I'm from Adelaide, man. Born Adelaide. and raised. Yep. Um, so I grew up in Adelaide Hills in Basket Range, actually. So awesome, beautiful part of the country. Great place to grow My up. My auntie lives up there, up Marble Hill there, overlooking the city. So Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I loved it growing up there. Uh, it was only a couple of acres I grew up on. Yep. Um, but, you know, an old stone cottage mum and dad renovated. Uh, it had a cellar underneath. So that was sort of bit of a scary place for me to go visit like there's this stone cellar and i swear i thought ghosts were down there but um no we had a big natural spring up behind the house and that that actually fed into the mains water uh so uh-huh. we bathed and flushed the toilet with spring water that's uh, wicked and then mum and dad had that water tested and um like like you said marble hill piccadilly all those yeah. waters that you buy from the shops it was as good as that stuff so there's actually quite a few deer moving out through that way now, across from the freeway. There's a few kicking around. My uncle and auntie see, see some every now and again, so I'm just waiting for their property to... I think they're on about 12 acres there, So, oh, but it's pretty pretty hilly terrain, as uh, you'd be aware. Yeah. Pretty I, dense scrub. It's, yeah, I grew up on some pretty steep slopes. Those um, iron bark trees there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we had um, goats, uh, a couple of sheep, geese, chickens, the whole lot, so I sort of had that. I don't know, hobby farm yeah. sort of lifestyle growing up. I'd, I'd come home from school, go pick blackberries, take my machete out. There's a lot of blackberries through there, that's for sure. Just did, a few. You, did you drive past that uh, that farm with the ostrich ostriches there for a bit? Uh, I can't say I remember that. Uh, there's there's one there. It's, there's been ostriches there for 20-odd years. And oh, you really? look out in the paddock and they're just walking around, heads raised. You're like, holy shit, that's a big emu. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we're just around the corner from what used to be Camelot Castle. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's called now. Something else, some function centre or yeah. hotel. Yeah, yeah, and no, I know the one. Yeah, it's a good spot, man. Yeah, good trout fishery right right below it. Mm. If you Yes. Uh, we'll get onto the fishing side <laughs> of later for you. Fair anyway, enough. how old are you, man? I'm 35. 35? Yep. Awesome. What do you do for work? Uh, I work for my old man. Yeah. Uh, we do property maintenance. Awesome. That's something I've gone back to after... 13 years, 13, well, more than that, actually. Uh, so I used to work for him when I first finished school and in my school holidays uh-huh. growing up. And uh, I decided after a year of working for him when I finished school, I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Yeah, I, I, I did some work for my old man quite a bit when, when I finished school and just too much clashing. Yeah. Personalities too yeah, much alike. I, I think that age when you're 19, <laughs> you think you know everything. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I see it with my younger brother now because he, he works for my, my old man. And he's he's 21, 22. And, uh, yeah, that's just that age. You think you know everything. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I did that and then decided I had enough of that and went to uni. Um, and I'd always been sort of into design. Uh-huh. 
Um, so I went to uni, did industrial design, and then uh, landed a job um, in Adelaide doing packaging design. So I did that for five years and then moved into sales. And so, yeah, I've sort of, I was in that industry for 13 years all up. So packaging design, was that like boxes and stuff like that? You were designing yeah, primarily, boxes? So, yeah, uh, boxes and stands, um, like displays, uh-huh. point of sale sort of stuff. Um, so I've done corrugated cardboard and then also uh, solid fibre. So yep. solid fibre is sort of like if you buy a, a camera, that box that comes in. Yep. Um, and there's a lot to a box. I, I bet. <laughs> people don't realise, uh, especially when you're in a manufacturing setting and it's high-speed machinery. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it's still boring. It's still a box. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot to it, put it that way. <laughs> so how did you get into hunting and fishing and the outdoors lifestyle? Um, I think, I mean, my old man was in the scouts. So growing up, he was always keen to take us fishing and and not, not hunting. Um, he had a 22 up in Basque Range, so he just uh-huh. used to knock off some of the... I don't really think you're supposed to do it, but he used to knock off the red belly black snakes. Yeah. Just because we were young kids and didn't want them around, around the, the house. Yeah. So they had rifle in the 22. Um, but I was too young for that at that stage. But plenty of fishing growing up. Um, and uh, I guess dad sort of instilled that, what his experience is growing up in us and, and being able to rough it and go camping and, and do all that sort of stuff. So, um, I mean, for me, I just love being outdoors when I was a kid. I'd get home from school, as I mentioned before. Don't worry about the TV. I mean, we only yeah. got Channel 2. Yeah, you don't. There's, <laughs> there's no phone signal in that part of the country. Just ask Josh. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I'd, I'd get home from school, grab my machete, and then just go hack down Melaleuca trees, Yeah, go up to the spring, catch tadpoles. Uh, the dog would follow me around everywhere, and then I'd terrorise the geese because I was scared of them. <laughs> um, and yeah. if, it, if anyone's ever heard geese... Yep. They are vicious bastards, and if you don't like them, they know about it, and they will attack you. You ever scare them so much they dive underwater, and they just look like the torpedo going straight underwater? <laughs> They're scary, man, and there was a pack leader. My mum named them all. <laughs> so the the particular uh, pack leader was called Gertrude, <laughs> and one day Gertrude rallied the troops, and they chased me from about 50 metres away. They saw me open a gate, and the whole <laughs> lot of them came at me, and... Yeah, freaked the crap out of me. Yeah, we had um, my uncle's geese. We got them given to us, Bill and Ben, the geese, and they were oh, yeah. just the nastiest son of bitches. But they were <laughs> soft and kind to my mum, hated us. They hated us when they were my uncle's geese, let alone when they were our geese. Yeah. But, yeah, we just used to fuck with them so much. They'd, like, dive underwater and just torpedoes, like, geese are on a small animal, man. And when they're cruising underwater, they're, they're freaky looking. Yeah, so, I mean... I guess that's where I, I sort of, in that environment, developed an appreciation, appreciation for the outdoors. And then it sort of carried on from there, um, from fishing to, to hunting. I didn't go until probably, I reckon the first time I actually went hunting, I was probably about 17, 18, to be honest. Uh-huh. So that was much later on in life. Uh, and that was with Josh. Yep. Uh, we'd, we'd been mates since we are about seven. And uh, that was always sort of his thing when we were growing up. And I never was around that. Yep. But he was always trying to get me to go. And then uh, hit 17, 18, and it was like, all right, I want to get out and do this as well. And from the first time, I was just hooked, absolutely yeah, hooked. That's the age where it starts clicking over. Yes, you sort of start realising, and there's a bit more reason to it, I guess, than just, you know, senseless killing of an animal. You're, you're, you're out there and you might be, you know, culling for a purpose for a farmer or um, 
I guess that I guess like you said, it clicked and we realized yeah. well rabbits are a pest and they're actually causing damage and yeah, it just clicked. <laughs> nah, it's, it, it, it is good, man. Um, and man, I wish rabbit populations were like they were back then, but there's not many of them around. That's one of my favorite eating things. Well, I've actually, if I can go on a bit of a rabbit yeah. hole, pardon the pun, I actually met a guy um, in my professional career and uh, he's actually quite a prominent guy in Adelaide. He's a millionaire. I heard the story. It's, and, uh, it's a good one. It is a good one. And uh, he made his money in his early days rabbit trapping. That's yeah. how many there were. And he was catching 2,000 a night. And that story has stayed with me like for the few years that I've, I've heard it. Yeah, you said he's a pretty eccentric bloke. <laughs> he is. He is. He is. <laughs> Very much so. I'd love to have him on our podcast. Um, I'd absolutely love to have him on yeah. because he's just – I spent an afternoon with him. I only met him once. Poolside. <laughs> Poolside and he was in his underwear – which was quite strange in itself, but just the most interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, those old blokes, man, they they know how to spin a good yarn. They do. They Especially do. Especially a bloke that's made his fortune out of trapping rabbits. Exactly. He was Wrong. he was making an absolute motto. What'd you say? Day. He got in there pretty young, like thirteen, fourteen. Uh, he was in his yeah mid teens, I reckon, and he was making something. I sort of worked it out to be about thirty pounds a week, yeah. which back in the fifties was a lot yeah. of money. And then um, just was very, in, I guess, uh, wise with his money then. And, and well, that's the thing. Like, people were selling the skins. They were getting paid for shooting a pair of rabbits. And then there was a chicken shortage back then. So they were selling the rabbits to KFC and other chicken shops as chicken. And so they were making really good money. <laughs> so much. Oh, some of those stories though, about how people made their fortune yeah. back in the day, it's it's a bit different these days with all the safety laws and, and whatnot exactly. they'll have. But Geez, that would have been good. I oh, know. Something know. so simple we were, to make a. a we were born a little bit too late. <laughs> we were. <laughs> so, what's your main hunting setup at the moment? Uh, main hunting setup in terms of uh, what are you talking about? Rifle uh, yeah, or yeah, rifle gear? gear? The whole run through, man. Um, so, clothing wise, I run Hunter's Element. Yep. Um, good gear, and I don't have much of it because. I don't tend to feel the cold and I get really hot in summer. So <laughs> yes, I've, I've got, <laughs> I've got um, the spur pants and the eclipse top, which yep. are fairly light, um, but they're, they're sort of waterproof enough. If you get a bit like, if there's a bit of dew in the grass or whatever, it'll, it'll wick it away. And then um, for, for boots, I run the Under Armour Hover Dawns. And how do you find the Under Armours? Cause you can, what you've been running them about, a year and a half ish yeah, now, I reckon. Pretty much. And I've done quite a few Ks in them. And that's that was sort of the main reason I got them was because you do thirty Ks in a day yeah. in a normal pair of boots and my, my feet were pretty sore. Yeah. Um so I like the Under Armour running shoes and they fit my feet pretty well. So I'm like, well, I know I can get something that was a good fit. Let's try them out. And the whole yeah. the whole point behind them was um, being able to do some extended Ks because they yeah. put that running shoe technology into a hunting boot. Grip's pretty good on them? That's probably the only thing I haven't really tested out too much is something like really, really muddy. Yeah. The grip isn't great. Like they don't have a real yeah. deep tread. Yeah, I think they got a pretty thin sole from from memory. Oh, the, the sole's pretty... Sole and tread. The, the tread is light on. Um, but if, you, if you're doing a lot of Ks, I guess you don't want that thick tread. So yeah. heavy mud and slippery slopes I haven't done so much of. 
Um, they dig in all right. Be interested to see how you go in the high country because <laughs> of COVID, we haven't been able to do many high high country trips since since it all started. So true. Um, but I mean, look, I've got the the insulated ones, and a lot of people say, "Oh, I wouldn't get an insulated boot because your feet will get too hot." But surprisingly, they breathe. Yeah. Um, and I, my feet get pretty hot and sweaty, and in those boots, they're fine. Yeah, summer I'm dying in boots. Like yeah. <laughs> as soon as I get my, my my boots off, like socks are saturated. Yeah, in the middle of summer, and so I mean I've I've had them and done you know like twenty thirty k's in in thirty five degree weather. Yeah, and still been comfortable, um, and not been dripping wet. So um, from from that point of view, they've been really good, very comfortable, wear them all day, waterproof. So probably the only like. The downside, like you've said, is the tread. That's the thing. There's so many boots on the market. It's hard to hard to make your pick. I guess you can't you can't have one boot to cover yeah. everything. I guess so. They're definitely my. I, I tend to tend to do that. I yeah. <laughs> find a good good range medium pair. You know, I'm a budget hunter. I'm not like Josh goes spend out, <laughs> spend, spend, spend. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of middle ground with my spending. So I do a lot of research beforehand, and then I'll go middle of the road. Uh, it's not too often I go absolute yeah. high end. Or, you don't want to be budget. a Josh, but you definitely don't want to be a Ryan when it comes to the spending. Correct, <laughs> correct. Uh, I learned I learned some of those things the hard ways, as we all do. You you buy something cheap just to get in the game, yeah, and then you upgrade it because you, it breaks. Or, yeah, or exactly. So there's some stuff that's been surprising along the way. You've got away with, um, but in general, yeah, I always go sort of middle of the Mid-range, road range. Yeah, and for me that was a big outlay. Uh, for a boot, yeah, you got to look after. They're, pretty, they're pretty pricey, yeah. Especially, yes, because once your feet go on, there's, uh, you're pretty much screwed for the rest of the hunt. And especially if you're doing a backpack hunt, if you're halfway out and your feet give way, you're screwed. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I did some slopes in a pair of work boots once. They were still capped, and I was coming down a mountain. It was in the Flinders, and I was coming down this <laughs> mountain. I was right on the way up, but coming down, your feet slide forward. Yeah. And my toes were just banging into this steel cap. I know. And uh, when I got home, I lost two nails off my toes and then got an infection in one. <laughs> I've got some pretty monkey photos if you can have a look. <laughs> You'll have to send them through and I'll put them on Insta. But uh, yeah. Long story short, look after your feet. Speaking of steel cap boots and the Flinders Rangers, we did a um, bow hunting trip to the Flinders about six, seven years ago. And. <laughs> up to Beltana Station, um, packed all the cars, four o'clock in the morning, loaded them all up, jumped in, got halfway there, get a message from my mum, your boots are still in the driveway. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, shit. I'm like, I think we were like coming through Clare. So this is Mount Torrens to Clare, driving through. I'm like, shit, it's just starting to get to that time where hardware stores are opening. I'm like, can we stop in hardware? Gone and grabbed it. Because I'm like, I need boots, like... Yeah, I had a pair of thongs and that was all. Yeah, I'm like, I need boots for hunting in the Flinders. Or they had fifty dollar pair of steel caps, and yeah, the week long hunting in steel caps run like I was running up to the top of the hills to beat goats up there, and it just was horrible. Oh, I can imagine, <laughs> man. Yeah, definitely don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what rifle are you running, man? What caliber? Um, and so, I've got a three hundred eight. Yep, uh, the Ticker T three X. Yep, and I've got the camo stainless. Um, nice. Which has served me pretty well. Uh, I just wanted something pretty hardy, I guess, that I yeah. could knock around the place. Tickers um, are good. Yeah, so that hasn't let me down so far. And I've just got a uh, Vortex Diamond back scope on that. Nice. Uh, 4 to 16 power. Yeah. 
And the Diamondback series is great, whether it's scopes and binoculars, they, they seem to do a pretty well glass for the price range. Exactly. So. And again, that comes down to my sort of middle of the road, uh, affordable, not ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people have these formulas about whatever you spend on the, the rifle, you're going to spend, spend double, <laughs> yeah. double the scope. Well, no, it didn't quite work not out. Not everyone I, can afford to do that. <laughs> I, spent, I spent less than half what the rifle cost on yeah. the scope and honestly, it does the trick. And it, I, I think the, same. the main thing is just find what works for you. Yeah. Find something that's fit for purpose and you're good to go. And like, in your budget, you don't want to stress yourself too much out. No, um, you, d- you don't want to be making repayments on something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now the uh, Diamondbacks, I tend to steer people towards in the binoculars, like for a first pair, you know, because they're around that 350, 400 range, depending where you get them from. Yep. So they're mid range. Yep. So that's, that's, that's exactly what I'm running for, for binos as well. Um, and I was lucky enough that a mate of mine, who uh, you know as well, Couchy, he bought yep. a pair and they somehow sent him two. Oh, Jesus. So. Um, he still made a profit because I still yeah. paid him for him, but I didn't have to pay full price, which was nice. <laughs> Slippery sucker. Yeah, I went out bow fishing with Couchy the other day and met him for the first time. That was a good good trip out. Not yeah, too many boy. fish out, but yeah, he's, he's a funny fucker. He, can, he, he definitely is. fits into the sender mate crew, that's for sure. Yeah, he's a tight ass, so watch, watch that. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, he's, he's good. Uh, he, he brought venison snags around, so it can't be that much of a tight ass. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> He still owes me some, and I helped him make them. So, <laughs> no, <that> was- <laughs> shout out to you, you bastard! I probably got your share. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did, man. I think you did. That's yeah. That's how we work sometimes. I actually got I some him. defrosting in the fridge right now. For I think not tomorrow night. We got venison in the slow cooker, but got got venison snags for the next night. Oh, you uh, pity! <laughs> so, what's in your hunting pack? What are you What are you carrying around? So, I've just bought a new pack. Actually, yeah. um, I bought the summer pack from Hunter's Element. Yep. I just wanted to try it. Uh, I saw a similar one. Someone has uh, the Spiker one. Yeah, I thought it's it's they're basically all the same features. Yeah. and I've been looking at is this. that very is that Hainsey what he had? He's yeah, got yeah, a very similar one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just went a, a size up, I guess. Yeah. So I think his was a sort of 40, 50 liter one. Yeah. Uh, mine, I got the eighty five liter. Yep, which good is size. good for a week sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I figure, look, if I don't need to go for a week, just don't put as much stuff in yeah. it. Like I just want one to cover me for any yeah. sort of length. So I haven't tried that yet. That's um, that only came in a week or so ago. Before that, I was running an old uh, sword. I think it's called a f- f- large field pack, which yep. used to be Josh's that he used to have in the army. Sword gear is good. So, like, it's a very well made pack, yeah. um, and he lugged it in the army overseas yep. for many years. But it puts way too much weight through your shoulders, and not enough onto your hips. And especially, you kind of want a bag that fits your build and your build compared to Josh's build is quite different. Quite different. <laughs> You're quite a lot larger. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he, he's shaped like a Dorito chip. So he's got these big wide shoulders, which he's worked on over many years in the gym and then just twig legs. And I'm sort of like broad all the way down. Um, and, and quite, quite a bit taller. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not hard. He's but. a midget. He is a midget. Um, so yeah, like I know I adjusted that as much as I could, yeah. but, Still, I'd I'd be lugging forty kilos in that and just be sore as yeah. So that's why I've changed there. Uh, but inside the pack, uh, obviously, depending on where you're going, most situations I've been in, I've only I've just taken a small like even just a bino harness yeah. um, with some you know some water and a knife and a few other things in there. Do you go bottle or do you go hydration pack? Bit of both. Yeah. So. Uh, my bino 
um, harness that I've got. I've got the uh, Bino Bro by – oh, the brand escapes me now. Yeah, I'm not sure of the – It'll come to me later probably. <laughs> but either way, that's – so on the on the back, there's a little um, – you can unzip a section yeah. and down drops a – like a netting. Yeah, I've got the same in my um, Badlands. I've got a Badlands. So I've, I've put a hydration bladder in that yep. before. I've put a water bottle in it, just a little Nalgene bottle in there. And I find it quite handy. Just It's even nice and cool on your back yep. as well. So I'll do that if I'm just if I'm not going too far away from base camp sort of thing. Uh, backpack hunts. Then I've got the whole lot in there. Yep. So um, I've got a Cedar Summit sleeping mat in there. That's something I probably wouldn't go without. Um is that one of the inflatable ones? Yeah, or the self, is it self-inflating ones. Self-inflating uh, Even though it doesn't tend to self-inflate that well. <laughs> they all say they're self-inflating. You're like, um, you, just, you open it up and you expect it to just be ready. But what's the not. insulation like on it? Pretty good. So, Pretty good. Um, I've had that out. No, I haven't had it in the high country yet. Yeah. That one's only a recent pre- purchase. But I've had it in some cold winter nights yeah. um, just over the border in Vic. And that was fine. It keeps yeah. the... Um, the cold from coming up through the ground. See, that's my problem. I got a cheap inflatable one, not self-inflating, but inflatable one from BCF when I was working there and took it to New Zealand and I was just, I was dying with the amount of cold air coming through. Yeah, I, I love this thing. It was it was only, we got it on special, it was a touch over 100 bucks, maybe even yeah. 90 bucks or something. But it's, it's pretty compact, so that's always in the pack. Got a... Um, a sleeping bag as well, which is, you know, packs down pretty small with the yeah. compression straps. I, th- I can't remember what brand it is. I think it might even just be Carabee, to be honest. Yeah. But it's rated to minus 10. Nice. Um, and I just use a few gift cards over yeah. Christmas one year to buy that. And that's kept, kept me warm. And look, I run pretty hot when yeah. I sleep. So I don't I don't need heaps of layers yeah. um, anyway. So I, I will boil in that. In summer, I'm normally the same, but then I went to New Zealand. I'm like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be fine with <laughs> with a mattress without some insulation. And I think yeah, I was yeah. running about a minus eight or nine sleeping bag, and I just was cold the whole night. Yeah, I mean that's the worst being cold. <laughs> so uh, cold and wet. So I always have my um, hoochie in there as well, yep. and some pegs, and a couple of hockey. What straps. type of hoochie? Just a tarp style? Or? Yeah, just yeah. a tarp style. Um, just camo pattern as yep. well. So it's quite often we'll set up in the bush, and you wouldn't even know we're there. Yeah. Uh, so always have that along with uh, a couple of hockey straps and, and some pegs just so you can set up in yeah, any configuration. That, that's something I need to invest in, some hockey straps. For yeah, um, and honestly, that was a tip I got off Josh as well. Most things, to be honest, I've learned from him. He's, he's <laughs> very knowledgeable <laughs> in that aspect. With his army experience and, and hunting experience, he's quite knowledgeable. So, um, and I'm happy be to full listen. of shit with most things, but... <laughs> when, it, when it comes down to it, when it comes to looking after a mate and making sure you can get through, he's actually a very good teacher as well. He is. Um, as inarticulate as he can be, he's actually a very good teacher. I'm loving the shots fired between the two episodes. So if you haven't haven't listened to Josh's episode, go back and have a have a listen to the shots fired at Caleb. <laughs> Oh, I'm I mean, sure that, it'll be the same. That happens in our own podcast as well, man. He'll be fat shaming me every week. Yeah, um, oh, it's it's great. That's that's why I listen to it just for the fat shaming. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah well, that's that's banter. Like we like we say, if someone's not a mate unless you're giving them shit. So uh, that's how we roll. Um, what else have I got in there? Do you I, have a stove? What? Yeah, so I've got a uh, jet boil. Yep. And I've got that little attachment you can get to to have a pan on top. Yep. Uh, I didn't get the jet boil pan. I got actually a Cedar Summit one, which was a little bit bigger and worked out better for me. Yeah, I got a 
and that aluminium set of summit one that I picked up at BCF was yep. in the clearance bin mm-hmm. down from like 50 bucks down to like 15 I'm like yes yeah um, so that serves me really well just for say you get something out in the field and you want to cook up a, you know a little fillet or something or yeah. whatever perfect tenderloin so, straight in there yep so I always have um, some herbs and spices a little yep. bottle of I uh, got that from Tent World a little pack you can get and it's got a couple of little squeeze bottles you fill yep. in with oil herbs and spices salt pepper all that sort of gear so I always have that in there. Yeah, I got some um, old kids, sh- like baby shampoo bottles and just completely yeah. clean them and yep. they work a treat. I've got olive oil, salt, pepper, yep. herbs, spices yep. and yep. the whole kitchen. Exactly. <laughs> got those. Uh, what else? I've always got a little fold-up shovel and that's something I got really cheap. Yeah. Honestly, it cost me like eight bucks from Kmart. <laughs> And it is fo- that just like the triangle one? It's like three folds, so you got the spade, the handle, and the uh-huh. midsection. Yep. yep, it comes in a little pouch, yep. and I've had that for probably three years. Dug plenty of poo holes with it, <laughs> and honestly, it's it's perfect. Yeah. So if, if you if you need a little pit for your fire, or you need to go pop a squat in the bush, honestly, that thing's amazing. For eight bucks, I'm like, stuff spending. 50 and they got bucks a little on. saw on one side, yep. and yep. you can hack stuff with it. And hundred percent, man. Um, that so that's done. Done me well. Um, what else? Spare clothes. Yeah. Obviously. How much clothes are you taking when you go on, say, like a backpack trip? Um, that's something I've refined over the years. And that's a lot of that's down to Josh just berating me about taking <laughs> a pair of undies for each day. <laughs> so I'm, I'm the same. I like to I, I like to be pretty cleanly yeah, when I go out. I mean, know, he can a talk. Fresh pair of socks, a fe- fresh pair of undies. You know, he can talk because even in the snow. I remember when we went to the Vic High Country. It was snowing. It was minus four at night, and he's still stripping down to his jocks and washing himself with water to be clean. And yet, I wasn't allowed to take a pair of fresh jocks <laughs> for every day. But uh, honestly, for that trip, so that's probably the most amount of clothing I've taken, be yeah. just because it was cold. And I ran some uh, Kmart long johns. Nice. And they kept me warm. And then had... Polyester or cotton? Uh, I actually don't know. I think they're a blend. Yeah. Uh, But they were relatively cheap. I think it cost me 20 bucks for the pants and the top. That's good. In all honesty. And again, they're not going to be for everyone because I generally don't feel the cold too bad. (laughs) But they kept me warm at night. I I was fine. So I just had them under my outer clothing. Yeah. Pants top. Um, I ran, I ran a fleece top. That's one thing I did get for that trip. And just the layering up, I think, yeah. is what kept me warm. I didn't need a, a big puffy jacket or anything like that. So, honestly, I had, what's that? Uh, yeah, I had my thermals. I had my fleece top, and then on top of that, I had my soft shell jacket. Yeah, um, it's the one item I haven't passed to Ryan. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, my my original hunting gear, other than just the, the crap you wear, yeah. you know, um, when I first decided to invest in a in some camo, I got some Pentagon gear, yeah, uh, from Military First over in the UK, and um, I, the tops were fitting great. Then I got this pair of pants, and my legs are not <laughs> small, so they were just way too tight. tight so yeah. I had to get rid of them. So Ryan's got them, and somehow they fit his llama legs. <laughs> the top fits him as well, which. Is a, surprises me because he's he's huge compared to me he's a um, big boy he is a big boy <laughs> and um the the soft shell jack soft shell jacket um i just love it because it's got that um it's like a quilted fleece on the inside yeah. and then 
soft, nice and quiet. Heaps of pockets, lots of areas you can open up to you dump heat out. Um, it's got a hood as well, and that's all. I had three layers in yeah. the snow, and I was boiling sometimes. That's good. So it was perfect. Yeah, sweet. Um, so that's probably the most amount of clothing clothing I'll uh, put in a pack. Yeah. What's your top beginner tip for getting into hunting? Um, try and find someone who knows what they're doing. I yeah. think is probably my tip because hunting is it's hard. It's hard to get into if you don't know someone. It is. Um, so I think that's my tip is find someone who knows what they're talking about and get some advice off them. So from my understanding, you just joined ADA as well. Yeah, correct. You, you recommend doing something like that, finding your local hunting club, ADA? I would, and I can only – I mean, I've only joined up since December last year. Yeah. Um, you, Rich, and Josh. Yeah, all, all of us sort of joined time. about the same time, and I wasn't I wasn't never going to be the first. But yeah. Once I'd spoken to the other guys and they said, oh, look, it's worthwhile, then then I did it. Because um, you hear a lot of stories. Yeah, that's so. that's been a, a very big topic of this podcast is like the stories of hunting groups and rifle ranges <clears> and just how old school it can be. Yeah, so but I think I think that's something that my perception had to change on. And uh, I, I generally like to experience something for yeah. myself and, and work it out myself anyway, so... Once those guys who I trust um, were like, well, that's, it's a good thing. You should do it. And I can only speak of the southeast branch in yeah. South Australia. That's my only experience. I can't speak for every branch. But so far, it's been pretty good. Yeah, well, after Rich, Hainsey, Josh, and now yourself have spoken about it, a few of a couple of the listeners have actually reached out and they've gone out to one of the ADA nights and yeah. joined up. And so yeah, it's, it's good to see. Yeah, 100%. And look. It, it, one thing I would say, it's probably a bit daunting if you don't know someone. Yeah. Um, that's certainly my experience in that I joined up and I joined up over Christmas. So I sort of didn't expect like a heap of emails and and communication. And then the, the first, I'm like, well, when's the first event? So you've got all your logins, you go on and go, all right, there's a the account coming up. And then all of a sudden, by magic, I was added to this Facebook group. Yeah. And then all these messages with details came through. I'm like, how did all this – this is weird. But then um, uh, I think because Hainsey so involved in it, that yeah. it was easy for me because I knew him and I knew Rich and Josh and whoever else was down there. And that's kind of why people find it a bit daunting, daunting because it's they, – they think it's a who you know type thing. Yeah. So. so, I mean, I put – I sat there and I put my shoes my, – myself in the shoes of someone who wouldn't know anyone and got this random communication and then found themselves at this – property and there was a guy there that was like brand new um when i first went and i you would feel like you joined a cult i think (laughs) (laughs) because there's all these guys that just rock up in the bush from from every direction guns over their shoulders (laughs) in (laughs) camo and they all know each other so i mean but it's like joining anything i guess once when you when you're the new guy and everyone else knows each other and there's that banter already but once you're there look everyone made you heaps welcome that's great like there was communal meals, a few beers, yeah. and then you know get down to business the next day. So. That sorts everything out. A few beers and a yeah. and a good feed. Everyone I mean, can, tends to loosen up a bit. Yeah. I mean, even if you take out, you know, the opportunity to hunt. Yeah, it's good just to have a bunch of like-minded blokes who you can shoot the shit with. Exactly. And you know, it's great. That's part of the reason I love hunting is just yeah. being able to get away from the rat race and like do that sort of stuff. Exactly. So. Yeah. And the podcast has led you there and the dinners that you guys organise 
you know, bi-monthly or once a month, depending whatever. Oh, we'll, do, we'll say organising in inverted commas. <laughs> it's just more, this is where we're going tomorrow night. Yeah, pretty if much. You, if you're there, you're there. If it was free, rock up. But, you know, that's that's part of the reason we started was, you know, to have that community of hunters and, exactly. and outdoorsy sort of blokes who want to get together and, and have a forum to be able to talk. Yeah, because all the interstate listeners and overseas listeners, the South Australian hunting community was kind of very close-knit and kept everything to themselves and didn't really communicate to new people. And this last two, two and a half years, people were opening up and they're helping people get into it. And people like Cent- like the Centimate podcast, they're opening it up for more guys. Yeah. Hainsey's helping a lot of newbies get out there. and 100%. He does a lot. He puts a lot of time and, and effort into to new people especially and has a wealth of knowledge. So ah, Ridiculous. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what exactly like you've said is what we want to do as well is just, you know, any sort of stigma that people might have about who hunters are. Like we're not just a bunch of rednecks who like killing exactly. stuff. There's a lot more to it, um, especially when it comes down to, you know, processing the meat and then sharing that with other people and getting together. Food, conservation. Conservation, yeah, that's the other thing. And friendship. like Yeah, and, you know, you know it's such a good thing to bond over as well. I don't think I've ever met a depressed hunter or fisherman. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> if they're getting out enough. Uh, you... Honestly, like, when when life does get you down a bit and you do start feeling a bit depressed and crappy, like, when you get out in the field to hunt. Exactly. Like, you just, that's your escape. That's yeah. your outlet. And it's, it's, it's quite therapeutic. We've talked about it ad nauseum on our podcast um, about, you know, how more people should should find that, especially in this day and age where guys are just... I'm not a religious person. You yourself, you grew up in a religious household. I did. To me, hunting, fishing and being outdoors, camping, full driving, whatever it is, feels like a religious experience to me. It feels like my church. When I'm out there, I'm one with my... I'm, I'm not a creator, believer or anything like that, but that you feel at one with nature. You feel like you're in a... Holy place. I would agree with you 100% there because when I'm out there, I feel like this is about as close to me doing what I feel yeah. like I was designed to do. Yeah. I see things through a very like creative design sort of a lens and when you're out there watching, you know, a deer and you see what it does and, and you know, how everything in nature is designed and you're out there and you're inserting yourself into that food chain as a hunter – and you're surrounded by the beauty of nature, it just, there's nothing that compares to it. No, nah, there's it, not. It is as close as you can get to I it. definitely wouldn't want to be in a drafty old building with a, <laughs> with a bunch of uptight <laughs> people. I'd oh, much man. rather be out there with the, some deer and a rifle, you know. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I wish, I wish no one had to work. I wish yeah. we just existed in, in, in nature as much as we could and didn't have oh, to worry on. about money. We've all had those those um, visions, you know. <laughs> you know, there's there's some some people in the hunting community like fingers crossed things go to shit over COVID or Russia and Ukraine, whatever it is. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we kind of just want that that reset to get back to nature. <laughs> yeah, man, hundred percent. And unfortunately, like greed has ruined so many things in this world. Um, so if things were resource based, where you know, the hunters went out and hunted and, yeah. and people grew some things and it wasn't about greed and who had the most of whatever and who could make money out of it. Exactly. I think the world would be a better place, but that's that's a utopian society. I think we're too far gone. <laughs> yeah. It's going to need, like 100%. you said, a massive reset. A great reset, yeah. 
you know, whether it's Biden on the button or Trump, on, uh, not Trump, <laughs> Putin on the Putin, button. Yeah. What's your top five beginner items? Um, top five beginner items. Mm. It's been a while since I've been a beginner, so I'm trying to put myself back there again. Not uh, so much as what you'd get as a beginner, what you would recommend from your experience now for a beginner to get. I think definitely if you're going to do a lot of K's, boots. Yeah. So invest in a good set of boots. Not necessarily not necessarily what I've what I'm using. Um, find what works for you, for your feet, for your body, for the amount of K's you're going to do. Whether it's ankle support you're after, and yeah, you I mean, can get low cut, you can get mid cut, high cut. It's exactly. Some people like stiff boots. Some people like heavy boots. My legs are pretty chunky, so I like a light boot because I don't want to carry anything heavier than I already have to. <laughs> Those calves. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, does it have to be material items? I'd I'd say get yourself a friend, get a mate yeah. that you can go out with as well. Um, that makes a world of... It does make a world of dis- difference. And it certainly did for me because having Josh and his old man, yeah, th- straight away there was access to a heap of things I could try. Yeah, And I think that's probably... For a beginner to be able to shortcut their way to what they want as a, an end setup and the end game yeah. is being able to try things. And you can't, unfortunately, where we live in Australia, <laughs> go into a gun shop and try things. <laughs> So having mates yeah. who have guns and different calibers that you can try is, as a beginner, one of the best things you yeah. can Different brands, access. different calibers, different scopes. The exactly. Whole, the and, works. And Josh and his old man have had <laughs> many, many rifles over the years. And I was able to try a lot of them. So I, I had access to calibers and that's why I eventually landed on a three oh eight. It was because I'd spent a lot of time behind one. It wasn't mine. And you quickly find that other people's setups don't necessarily suit you because they might, you know, they might certain they might like a certain eye relief. Exactly. They might be lanky people like like Ryan, and <laughs> you, you get behind it, and you're like, why does it take me forever to find yeah. a side picture in this thing? Um, Josh, you, you got your head like your <laughs> eye socket over the bolt to look down his <laughs> into his scope. Well, <laughs> funny you say that because Ryan is lanky, but his eye relief is less than the rest of us but it's because he's blind yeah I was, I was about to say you don't get that built without having <laughs> no, other issues no, and he's had scope eye several times don't, he, he does seem like the type of person that would have had scope eye more than once <laughs> yeah exactly so i mean before you've you've bought your first rifle i'd really recommend trying some things because you'll save yourself a lot of money yeah. um and the, the beauty about when you do get your own rifle is you can set it up to yourself exactly. exactly so you pick that thing up and you get a sight picture straight away yeah that's a great feeling it feels like it's in tune with you um beginner items i think a knife is a is a good one where if you put a bit of time into to researching it's 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 such a like an intimate piece of kit so what are you running knife wise so i've got nothing amazing i've got a gerber yeah which cost me about 50 bucks. and That's what I'm running, man. I've got the replaceable blade Gerber. Yeah, so I don't have that. I've got a fixed blade. Um, and it's it's probably about equal blade length to, to handle length. And it's a sort of a rubberized grip. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but it just fits my hand perfectly. It doesn't slip when my hand's covered in blood. And I can skin most things with it. And then, like, 
obviously you've got other specialist yeah. knives when you're skinning, but for a general purpose knife, I love this. Just love it. They're good. So that's that's a piece of kit that can feel very personal. There, is that a full tang? So the the metal goes all the way through the handle? Yeah, it does. Yeah, and yeah. a little rubber handle, yep. couple yep. screws in it. Do you have the gut hook or the... Don't have the gut hook. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a good little knife. I've got the one with the gut hook yep. without the gut hook. Yeah, I think a, I can tell we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you, there's just a gut hook and a non-gut hook yeah, version. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you used to work at BCF. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure that's where I got it from. I was, so. I was about to say, you probably got it from BCF. <laughs> exactly. I, I honestly love that thing. And, I mean, I've been looking recently at getting one of the replaceable blade ones. Yeah. So whether it's the Havilon or the Gerber, yeah. um, that's another one of those things I that just, I sort of research in the background and go, which one's better? Just seen Anaconda's got a new replaceable blade Gerber one with a bigger blade on it, so not the little surgical blade like what, what I'm running, like the Havilon. Um, and it's 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 a big bigger blade. It's a Randy Newberg. So I'm not sure if you know who Randy Newberg is. He, no. He's he got a hunting podcast. He's got a hunting show. And he actually works with Gerber and oh, yeah. gets his name on all the products he works with. So it's a pretty cool looking blade. I'm like, yeah, no, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Might I, have don't, to. I don't mind the Gerber gear. Um, uh, it, it, for the price, it's it's great whether some of the machetes are a bit weak in the blade, but all the knives seem mm-hmm. to be. The, the knife you have, I had a bit of trouble sharpening, but mm-hmm. if you spend some time on it. Yeah, I've, I've got this little, um, it's, it's just like little sharpener that's perfect for, I actually keep it in my bino harness and it's probably, I think it's Lansky is the brand. Yeah. And just when you're out and you want to quickly sharpen something, it's it's perfect. Yeah, I got a couple. I got a little packet, and they're kind of like a file with a bit of sand, like almost like a sandpaper mm-hmm. bit on it, plastic handle. And yeah, I use them for broadheads when I'm bow hunting and knives. But yeah, the replaceable blade knives I just love because once you start getting that dull bit, just change the knife, put it back. Like they got a little packet you come they come with. You can put the empty blade in there and get a new blade out in the same bit. Um, what did you? You were after five things, weren't you? Uh, what have I yeah, said? Three. Um, I guess yeah. If you're going to be staying outdoors, you're going to want some sleeping gear. Yeah. Uh, I've I've gone cheap for sleeping bags and been freezing all night. In uh, the one I've got now, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a Caribbean or no, an Oz something or other. I don't know. It got, Put it this way, it was about a hundred bucks. Yeah, and for me, it's fine. It's it fits me well. It clean. It doesn't have fleece on the inside. It's that sort of, um, I don't know what material, but it's shiny on the inside as well. <laughs> so like a felt, almost. No, nah, not quite. Huh. It, it's it's um, almost similar to the outside material, so you can slip around in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. and don't get caught up. I like being able to move. In my sleep, I I hate sleeping with clothes on, man. Like <laughs> yeah, same. So <laughs> I feel like so constricted. So when I'm in a sleeping bag, I like to be able to roll around and move. That's a tip I got told in New Zealand. The more you actually wear, the the colder you'll be in a sleeping bag because how it's designed, your body heat heats up the sleeping bag. So when you've got layers on, you're going to be colder. So if you, the more you strip off, the warmer you'll be. Yeah, wow. I'll have to give it a go. Next time I'm over in the snow, I'll just... Get in the buff and try that out. <laughs> Maybe not that quiet. But <laughs> no, we'll, we'll see how we go. Especially with the amount of pranks you boys play on each well, other on trips. So. True. I'll end up you waking know. up to my sleeping bag 
wide open and with the, cameras being out. So with a brown snake, yeah, the brown snake <laughs> sticking, sticking out. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, I've I've got um, when I just go camping normally, I've got a, a king's one. Yeah. Um, with the zip out, uh, like it's two layers. Yeah. So you can zip out a layer if you're too hot, and I've got two of them, so I zip them both together when yeah. me and the missus go away. And that thing's roasting hot. Yeah, no, there. I've I've got a very similar setup. You know, double double swivel. I've I've got Wanderer gear rather than King's gear, but yeah, it's very yeah very similar. Probably all out of the same factory, but um, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 all very comfortable. So I think that puts you on about four for sleeping gear. <laughs> uh, beginner gear, um, probably binos. I'd say if you want to get out and and see something. And, 100%. and get out to distance straight away so you're not just seeing things right in front of your face. Go the binos and like we discussed before, the, the Vortex Diamondbacks, they're not going to cost you the world. Yeah. And I know other people have said that on this podcast, but um, honestly, for a an affordable setup, which is quality, it's going to last you, I'd go the Vortex Diamondbacks yeah. and I, I go 10 power. That's good. Yep. Yeah. Look, I've got a couple messages over Instagram, you know, saying, you know, you help me decide on what what to actually get i've been looking at stuff so that's why i have these type of questions in the oh 100 we, to help we people. get the same on on our podcast as well and and people get in the chat and go oh what do you guys reckon about this and we go oh here's this this and this a few recommendations yeah. and two minutes later <laughs> sending through the receipt you guys are terrible i've just bought this i'm like oh, i didn't say you had to man <laughs> uh, but you know what's better than first-hand experience I guess if you try exactly. something and can pass on a review that way, I think it's much better than just reading something from a stranger. Yeah. So, what would your go-to zombie apocalypse weapon be? Oh, mm. does it have to be readily available? I'd say so. So, in say it broke out tomorrow. Um, I've I've had this because I I love The Walking Dead. Yep, I love well, the I did Dead. until the last Fear, couple of seasons. Fear like, of the Walking Dead, Shaun of the Dead, all the all the zombie movies and shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've switched over the years. I've, I've originally I thought oh I just like to sort of snipe things from a distance. Yeah, and then I'm like oh you're gonna get some up close and personal. So maybe a shotgun like a something something <laughs> like. You can't get, really get an auto shotgun here. I can. think Josh's answer was an Adler. Like he would yeah. lever action Adler just. Yeah, I mean, as automated shotgun as you can get in Australia. <laughs> get the straight pull or <laughs> lever. <laughs> um, and with as, as many rounds as you can fit. So oh, That's the thing. I'd shotgun probably, shells are pretty, pretty bulky to carry around. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's pros and cons, <laughs> isn't there? I mean, do you go a, do you go a blade? Do you go an axe? Do you... Uh, I'm trying to think because I, I used to play like zombie games yeah. as well, and I'm trying to think what I'd roll around with. Like you know, there's the the Walking Dead style baseball bat with the yeah the barbed wire, barbed wire and, and things sticking out of it. But blunt force, <laughs> maybe an axe or something like that. Just <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Depends on what mood you're in. I yeah, guess. Do you want to get up in person or get covered in a bit of blood? Or depends what zombies <laughs> you have too. If it's Walking Dead zombies, it's a it's a breeze for. Most hunters and maybe fishers, but if it's uh, 28 days later, zombies, you or um, World War Z oh, zombies, yeah. you're, <laughs> you're not slow. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I, I think I think for zombies, you, you want more than one weapon. You want a loadout. So you probably want a long range. Yeah. You want your up close and personal. <laughs> exactly. Like Walking Dead, you know, they got their, their handguns, their screwdrivers, they got their knives, they got... Something that gets me, though, about The Walking Dead is Daryl. And he's the crossbow. Crossbow. Like, yeah. come on, man. He's not... He's not... <laughs> Look... I, like, I know I'm in a bow hunting house over here. <laughs> but uh, I just like... You've got to find out amount of ammunition and you're not going to go fetch every bow every arrow sorry every bolt <laughs> that you send out but that's not what gets me in it a crossbow could work really well but it's the bolts not passing through the rotting z the rotting zombie oh, yeah. skulls they just stick in they there. just like stick in a couple of inches <laughs> like that's not gonna happen no it's not so yeah that that's a fair point actually <laughs> what have you forgotten on the hunt man what have I forgotten? I'm I'm generally not the guy who forgets. Uh, <laughs> listeners of our podcast will know I'm quite often called Camp Mum. Yep. Because I'm the organised one. <laughs> uh, I reckon that should be the name of the, the podcast. <laughs> I reckon Camp Mum from Sender Mate. <laughs> uh, I gen- yeah, so generally I don't forget things. I'm trying to think. Plus with that big whiteboard that you guys run when you're getting ready for a... Yeah, it's, it's pretty hard. And honestly, that's, that's, that's just the way I am is that I will... Get everything out, look at it all. Hopefully that triggers my memory of <laughs> something that I've forgotten. Pack it all away and then go through it again. Um, so generally I don't forget something. There's certainly never been anything stupid like ammo or my rifle or <laughs> or whatever. Maybe it'd be more like something luxurious like a, like a pillow. <laughs> no, I'd say pillow is probably yeah. uh, on times where we've had a base camp and I've forgotten a pillow, that's annoyed me. Yeah. And as precious as that sounds, um, stuffing a jumper with all the rest of your clothes exactly. just to. Oh, and I've I've got a little tip actually. So, if you get your dry sack and put clothes in it, yep. and then pump a, like keep a bit of air in it, and then actually close it up with some air in it, it makes a pretty comfy pillow. Nice. I got a uh, black wolf inflatable pillow for backpack stuff. Ah, that's very good. that's pretty good. About halfway blown up, and it's it's yeah. quite comfy. But I still wrap it in a in a jumper just to give it that extra bit of like I'm a double pillow sleeper so I'm not sure oh, what you like yeah like yeah my pillow's fairly high otherwise yeah. I get a real sore neck so. yeah I have like a stiff pillow a soft pillow arm under the pillow <laughs> yeah I'm a bit like that as well um so something I've I've actually done is in my single swag is I leave an inflatable one in there all the time so if I do forget yeah. then at least I've got something that's good so you just you know blow it up two seconds later there's a pillow yeah, I got a little just just a go box, and it's got my it's pretty much got all my hunting gear in it that I'll uh, that I'll need. So if a if a trip turns into a backpack trip, I can chuck in my my bivy, I can chuck in my inflatable pillow, my mattress, all of that. So perfect. I think that's probably the worst thing I've forgotten. That's annoyed me. I, generally, I'm pretty good. That's um, that's probably the <laughs> the le- the least interesting one out of it. You know? I'm, no, I'm sorry, but I've got to be truthful. I mean, there's, I can hang shit on some people. Like Couchy, if you're listening, uh, he used to be the worst, <laughs> the absolute worst. Like he'd forget a chair and got to the point where I'd bring a double chair. So he'd have something. So you two could snuggle. <laughs> we'd snuggle together um, and he'd forget clothes, he'd forget you forget everything, basically. Yeah. So hey, you'd, all, you'd be, sh- you'd be scabbing your shit all I've the time. I've forgot arrows. I've forgotten boots. I've <laughs> but, and now, I've mentioned this before, but he now has 
all the biggest, most clunky stuff to bring. <laughs> and I think that's so he doesn't forget it. But it's just really inconvenient. So the big double swag, the big like Moon fold chair. out reclining <laughs> chair, it just it's it's a behemoth. But yeah. he brings it. <laughs> hey, at least he can't forget, he can't it. forget it's, it. It's that big. It, he can't walk over it. Exactly. He trips <laughs> over it as he's coming out of his house. So what is your funniest hunting fishing story? Oh, funniest. Funniest, funniest hard because I guess you always have fun on a hunt. I don't, yeah. I, don't matter if you get something or you don't, but um, I guess one of my favorites and also one of the funniest was one I did with Josh to the Vic High Country where it wasn't so much going to be a hunt, more an expedition. And neither of us had been to the high country yeah. before. So we didn't really know what we're in for. We didn't know before we went that there was road closures <laughs> because it's dangerous and they don't want a heap of people <laughs> driving around in the snow. Uh, and look, so I used to have company cars um, as a sales rep and a <laughs> business development manager in my previous life. Um, and I used to abuse the fact that you had free fuel, so I would go to Vic and take that. Uh, so I've had multiple. Uh, oh, that twigs my memory actually to another hunting st- uh, funny one. So I've got I've got two, but the main one in the high country is Josh and I decided to go to the high country and check it out. We'd never been. We wanted to do a bit of you know reconnaissance, find some potential spots. We had no idea, <laughs> so we took my I think I had a Subaru Outback at the time. And I had no idea about what full drive capability it had. It was all drive. So I did the old Google, can it do creek crossings? Can it do this, that and the other? And we we sort of worked out a few places and something him and I do a lot is if we're going to an area, jump on Google Earth, yeah. suss out where we think might be good. So those uh, places we, we got as close as we could and then realised there was these logging tracks that were closed. So then we had to go literally from the high country back down to town <laughs> then back up the other side and by this stage like from adelaide it takes you a good 14 hours to get to the base of the high country, high country as yeah. it is like bright area <laughs> yeah bright yeah um and so by this stage we'd we'd i think uh, we left at night and by early morning we we're about bright so we pulled over and we'd slept in the car and then we'd done this, you know, couldn't get to the first spot, back down again, back up the other side. And we're like, why are these roads closed and we can't get to any of these Google Earth places we've sussed out? And then we came down um, to this creek and I've gone, yeah, let's give it a go. Like by this stage, we're in the car with each other for nearly 24 <laughs> hours straight. Josh would be a struggle to be in a car with. The amount of fidgeting and stretching and <laughs> I can't I can't remember if he was smoking or not at that point, but I don't remember too many stops for for a durry break. So, <laughs> like honestly, yeah, it's a long time to be in a car with one other human. Yeah, and yeah, I've been there, man. Yeah, <laughs> we have very different tastes in music as well. <laughs> so podcasts is where we had to settle, and then we were listening. Like, yeah, so we did this anyway. We did this creek crossing, and. We had no idea if we were going to get stuck or not. Just send it, somewhat. Just say. send it. And you know what? This this Subaru Outback crossed the creek and the water was above the door seals and then the other side was just mud. And it just just 
somehow just climbs you get right that out bit where it, like aquaplanes <laughs> the diff drops hits the gravel and then just like catches and sends you out yeah it, i did the same thing in my falcon and oh, in some good floods <laughs> I've, I've seen some pretty good um clips online on four driving pages of au falcons just doing some <laughs> Crazy shit. Yeah, I had a BF. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, like that that was just insane to be in a car with someone for 24 hours. Um, it was funny in that some podcasts we got onto, that's where we discovered um, my dad wrote a porno. <laughs> yeah, you've spoken about that. It's a very good podcast, but it's – for those who haven't listened to it, it's a, it's a podcast where – Three people, three friends get together and one of their dads has written an erotic <laughs> series of novels. But the main character is in sales in pots and pans. <laughs> so it's not really sexy subjects. Yeah. Like it's around like sales sort of environment. And Josh was <laughs> Josh was getting genuinely excited <laughs> in the car listening to this. And like the premise of the podcast is they make fun of it because it's yeah. terribly written. He seems like a days of our lives neighbours type of guy. Yeah. So the, the actual <laughs> novels themselves, they're taking the piss. I meant Josh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, Josh was just Josh was getting excited, like a bit turned on by this stuff, and I was I felt awkward because there's two blokes in a car, and he's like, start just, skiing, just about cracking a fat. <laughs> Listening to this podcast, it was weird. Anyway, so 24 hours in a car together, not great, but then we eventually found a base camp, a great spot. We ended up getting a, a Samba that trip just out of the blue. We had no idea what we are doing, but... I think Josh briefly spoke on that on, on his episode. Yeah, like, honestly, it was so much fun, a good laugh, and we know each other that well is how, the only way we survived. Yeah. If it was anyone else, we would have <laughs> killed each other. Um, but... Uh, another funny one talking about vehicles. So I've had a series of vehicles um, when I was a sales rep and um, I had a Hyundai i40 <laughs> at one stage, which is the most underpowered piece of crap yep, I've ever been. driven. And I had the wagon <clears throat> and we took that to New South Wales on the banks of the Darling River. Yep. And we decided to take this bit of a shortcut just after the wet season on some pretty crazy roads and I was getting this thing like airborne over cattle grids. I've had it out. I had it out before in another muddy paddock where I was redlining the thing and no traction because it was just road tires and like the thing was just flipping all over the place. Front wheel drive. <laughs> I abused the crap out of it. I hit a wombat. And, never and this is why you don't buy fleet vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Hammered it. So one of the ones I took possession of, there's a guy who had before me and I looked at one of the trip, uh, what was that? I think that was the I-40. Anyway, I looked at the the trip um, computer one day and this guy averaged 17 and a half litres per 100 Ks for this particular trip he'd done. And I'm like, how do you manage that? And this thing that normally does about eight or nine, did he have the handbrake on? Like what, what was going on? Anyway, so on that trip in the on the Darling, we I took it for the free fuel yeah. and we rocked up to this this farmer's property and he's come out and he's gone like because there's a Navara and there's a Hilux there and then I'm there in the I forty. He's coming out, he's going, How have you bloody got here? Is it a rally car? <laughs> like, how how have you actually managed? And I'm like, I don't know, man, I just 
I just got here and this guy was absolutely flabbergasted <laughs> at the fact that I'd even be able to get onto his property <laughs> through mud, cattle grids, you name it. But I did. But it's just, yeah. If you're not scared to abuse something, yeah. you can get a lot of places. It might, <laughs> might be a falcon. She um, had a few deer in the boot, a few goats in the boot, you know, antlers. <laughs> I had a wombat in that thing accidentally once. It ran out in front of me. It's terrible. Um, Aren't they a bastard to hit? It was like hitting a rock. Yeah. Just... And I, I'd slowed down because I saw a few of them on the road and I slowed right down. And I reckon I was only doing 20 or 30 k's yeah. an hour. And I'm like, this thing's just trotted out. I'm like, nah, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So I pulled up to a stop and it just went doof. <laughs> and yeah, I might as well hit a brick wall. Nah, they're solid, man. That's you just shook sure. it off, trot it off again. Yeah. You can't kill stupid. <laughs> True. No matter how many times you try and kill Ryan. But... Uh, <laughs> Nah, he does a good job of doing that himself. I don't even have to try. What's the most sketchy or dangerous thing to happen on a hunting trip? Oh, I mean, again, I'm camp mum. <laughs> yes. So I try and actively prevent most of the, <laughs> most of the sketchy things. You're camp mum, but look at who you decide to go away with, you know. That's true. Couchy Josh, Ryan. That is very true. Hayden. <laughs> and look, it's not I, – I do some loose shit. And I have done some loose shit over my time. Um, but I don't know what's changed where I'm now the sensible one. Kids. Maybe that's what it is. The fact that I, you know, have a family that I need to get home to. And yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what's changed. Um, oh, we, we try not to put ourselves in too many sketchy situations. But I guess there's been, been times... Uh, there was once with Josh... We're over the border in Vic, just in um, on Crown Land. Yeah. And we got bogged, like bogged. In, in the pines there, yeah. To the axle. And we did not know where the nearest anything was. And um, we're generally, generally pretty calculated. It was a pretty um, slippery hill from memory from that story. It was, it was. Look, there a was gentle a gentle hill. <laughs> not even, like it was sort of just a gentle that particular place we got bogged was a gentle dip and then rise over the other side. We should have paid attention to the reeds. Yep. Is this where the forestry workers came they in? They pulled us out. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's probably the sketches. The, the only time I've ever felt like, shit, like, are we going to get out? Are we going to have to walk to a town? Yeah. There is no mobile reception. Um, but honestly, we just stayed calm. Yeah. Made a contingency plan of where to meet up if things went to crap. I left him. That's a good thing about Josh is he's been trained for those situations. Worst case so scenarios. And he's been was, in them and if survived it was them. You, if it was you and Ryan, it could be, <laughs> you'd probably still be out there now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, it's a whole different killer fish. But look, we got it. We got out. That was the main thing. But that's, that's probably the only time I was sort of going, shit, yeah. this could turn pretty bad. What's the most important thing you take out? Um, depends, I guess, where we're going. But, I mean, the obvious one is your rifle. Yeah. That's, uh, like, I've not really been, I guess I've had the opportunity to go bow hunting, but I'm, I'm still firmly entrenched in rifle hunting and I guess – Exploring that as far as I can and getting as proficient as I can in that. I don't. I'm not somebody who likes to do a heap of things. As I told Josh, just man up and fucking do it. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I do remember you saying that to him. <laughs> um, but honestly, I and it, it comes down to time as yeah. well. Like, yeah, I know, man. It's so hard to just have the time to get out, especially when you have kids and you got twins, man. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as uh, much as Josh doesn't like to admit it, but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. like just listening to you guys talking about, oh, you know, how easy it is to have have kids and just go out and do it, and you know, chuck them in a chuck your wife and kids in a <laughs> in a caravan and travel Australia. It doesn't matter. Just make them do it. Yeah, I'm listening to it. I'm like, man, like me, you. And Ryan just need to drop our kids off at Josh's house for a weekend. Oh, 100%, 100%. You know, drop him off with five kids and just see how he lasts for a week. Mate, he'll go spare. <laughs> he talks a big game. And look, he's got a heart of gold and he no, means the best. But he's, he's a good far dad. out, he talks a big game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just listening to some of the kid shit. Like when he's talking about kids and families, I'm like, dude, you have so much to learn. <laughs> he does. He does. I don't like, I mean, He's probably, from his time in the army, he's prepared for a lot of things, like the sleep deprivation. And I don't think he sleeps that well still, but yeah, the sleep deprivation. He likes to talk like he's Major Pain, but I don't think he could control a bunch of kids like Major Pain. <laughs> nah, nah. I think that, that'll be the hardest thing, is is being able to entertain kids when they are just ratty and they just don't want to bar of anything. Yeah. Oh, look, man, I got I got a seven-year-old and a two-year, almost two-year-old. You got what? Two seven-year-olds or two six-year-olds? Two six-year-olds. Yeah, so, you know, as a kid, I just wanted to get into it. Like, I'd go out camping and I could just entertain myself all day. And it's completely different now being, like, you know, I want to go out and do these things. And, you <laughs> well, know, this you got the- iPads, you got phones, you got games. And you, kids just don't entertain themselves like we had to, you know. No. My, my grandparents could give me a tomahawk or a machete and a slingshot and a bag of marbles and I'd be gone from sunrise to sunset, you know. <laughs> I mean, my dad tells a story of he got given a cardboard box and a bag of oranges. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to make a game out of that somehow. <laughs> and, and honestly, Josh and I grew up having to invent a lot of games to keep us entertained as well. Yeah. So we can do it. The, the new generation, it's, yeah, it's a bit harder with all the... Uh, How do you find getting your girls um, into it? Because I know you've taken them target shooting a couple times. Yeah, they've, so they've been target shooting. They 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 know what it's about. Um, I think when it comes to hunting, for them, they love animals yeah. so much, like froth animals. And the thought of killing for them, they can they could they could probably process something that's scary. Yeah. But when it comes to shooting Bambi, had. <laughs> Do you shoot the mummy ones? Like, you only shoot the daddy ones, yeah. don't you? Like, yeah, it'd be, it would be def- different with girls. My um, oldest, he goes to a Christian school. Yeah. So it's like, how can, like, he started, and then it's like, how can you kill God's creatures? <laughs> and then I've got the two year old, you know, we've got him saying deer meat. So as soon as Ryan run, comes into the door today, the two year old runs up, and he's like, Dear meat, dear meat, because we got the slow cooker for tomorrow, and he's running, running up, going, dear meat, dear meat, <laughs> like you know. I saw that, yeah. Ah, look, I mean, there is a retort to the the whole Christian school, like how can you kill an animal thing? <laughs> yeah. We can say, well, God created them, and He's given you dominion over them, and they're for food. That's ex- exactly <laughs> what I said. I'm like, you eat, eat cows, you eat sheep, you know. <laughs> I can shoot a deer. Exactly, and the same in the same sentence, he'd be like treading on an ant, like he's like killing an ant or a spider. You know, it's like, dude, 
So yeah, but, look, girls. Yeah, girls is a whole other thing. Um, I think they'll get around to it eventually. Yeah, definitely. They're they're fine with target shooting, so I'll keep them involved in that as long as I can. And look, when they're ready is when I'll I'll take them out hunting. I guess um, it's not for everyone, and I'm not going to force it on them. But if they're keen, I'll yeah, take them along anytime exactly. they want to come. Like my my two year old, if he, if he came in here, he'd be like run straight to the gun safe, and he'd be like guns, guns, he'd yeah. point to bows, bows. I, that's the luck of the draw, though, man. Like you might have a kid who who hates it, yeah. and just freaks out at a loud noise. Um, let alone killing an animal. So I think I think. I try not to harp on about Josh too much, but <laughs> he's my best mate. Um, you know, I think he thinks he's going to have this kid that's just going to be programmed to like exactly the things oh, he it's, likes. It's going to be totally opposite. With the amount of game he talks, it's going to be like, you know, the kid's going to want to do ballet and singing lessons. <laughs> exactly. And he's going to have to go along to that and just Dad, you know, suck can it I up. Wear, can I wear this tutu? <laughs> Yeah, like, Josh, you're going to have to play dress-ups with a kid at some point. So, yeah. <laughs> Rather than just in the bedroom, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not playing dress-up with a kid in the bedroom. That's just, that's... No. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll leave, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, all good, mate. <laughs> I expected it that's, with, that's with where, you guys coming nah, over from nah, Senate, mate. That's man. where my mind goes. It's generally in the gutter, so. Top five dream animals. Oh, so um, number one for me is elk in northwestern US, so like yeah. Colorado, Montana, somewhere like that. Uh, is that backpack, is it private, public? I would prefer public yeah. as much as I could, like the – like rigid digi experience as much as you can. I don't want to. I don't just rock up and have someone set up a, a elk for me. Yeah. I want to have the the proper hunting experience. You know what I really love the whole. How some guys use llamas and goats as pack pack animals, so they'll have like a chain of fifteen <laughs> goats as a pack. Like they'll have their whole camp set up. They'll have the big freaking like stoves. Yeah, it's and like tents. a it's like an African hunting expedition yeah, style. Exactly, <laughs> but goats, man. <laughs> no, I, I want just. The authentic experience with, you know, maybe one or two other guys. During the elk rut? Yep. Call yep. them in? Yep, 100%. So for me, that's number one. Uh, number two, I reckon moose, Canada. Yep. Um, and that's as much about just going to Canada as it is getting a moose. I think yeah. Canada's beautiful. Big animal, man. And dangerous. Big, big, dangerous animal. I actually watched a video on Instagram the other day. Um of a moose in Alaska charging a bloke and he's got this little sausage dog <laughs> next to him and the sausage dog goes at the moose. I, I see one today <laughs> on TikTok. This guy's walking out to go check his mail. And he's walking down his driveway and it's him and his little, it looked like a Jack Russell-sized dog, could have been a chihuahua or whatever, and he walks out and this moose just starts charging him in his snow-covered driveway. Yeah. And he's like looks up and he's like, Oh shit! Starts running back. This little dog's going at it, and he's like, uh, "No, nah, nah, leave the dog." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I reckon that's the same one, man. But well, I just saw it on Instagram. Um, it's a long-haired little sausage dog. Yeah. Um, and those those you know they, your sausage dogs. I do. I have one. Um, <laughs> they're brave. They'll go anything, any size. So I went away last weekend, um, the York Peninsula, and I took him, and he he doesn't bark too much, but he's. He's fairly protective yeah. and he'll go anything, doesn't matter what size. He decided to go at a convoy of patrols. 
<laughs> and these blokes had to slow down while he's charging directly at him, barking. My missus is running after him. He just, no fear. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so what else we got? So That's number two, moose. Uh, yeah, elk, moose. Um, wolf. Obviously, this is probably going to be America as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, wolf, wolf. Beautiful, smart animal. Can't half tell that you and Josh are best mates. I think it's the exact same order as. I'm not, I'm not so big on the sheep. I don't know what his deal with sheep is. So I don't have any sheep in my top five. <laughs> Spending um, too many time with New Zealanders, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, there's there's a link there somewhere. <laughs> um, and plenty of inappropriate jokes to be made, but we won't go there. So yeah, uh, elk, moose, wolf, black bear. Yeah, and. The other one, I'd actually like to get a massive, like, stomper boar, but European. Yeah. So, like, Big somewhere... Russian, Eurasian boar. Yeah, like, yeah, somewhere around there, like, Big Germany, raised, Russia, yeah. like, yeah. Western. Bulgaria. Yes. That's, that's where you want to go. Yeah, yeah. somewhere around there. Ben Salaris, um, Salaris, however you pronounce his last name. I'm shocking at pronouncing names. But he, um, yeah, goes hunts Bulgaria quite a bit. Mouflon and... Russian oh, balls, yeah, I reckon fallow in Bulgaria. That's just from just to be different, I guess. Um, and there's some massive animals, yeah. So, <laughs> I, but I, it's crazy that they're all one species. They're not like subspecies. They're yeah. all Sioux scruffer. Yeah, like your Asian boars, your domestic, your Australian wild pigs, your American wild pigs. They're all just that one species of pig, Sioux scruffer. Yep, like it's for mental. sure. I, I kind of just want that experience where you know this thing could. Rip you apart. Yeah. And um, you got to get it before it gets you sort of thing. I the reckon. drives they do for those Eurasian balls. And then the videos of like <laughs> people in Russia and shit, like putting out the garbage, <laughs> getting chased by this you know, 120 kilo pig. Yeah. <laughs> or guys like shotgunning this thing, charging them, and yeah. it drops like a meter in front of them. You're like, wow, you got some balls. Or, or the ones that are unlucky and they don't drop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't want to be that guy for sure. But I reckon, yeah, that's, that's my top five. Yeah. Nah, no, that's a, that's a really good top five. How do you see the public views on hunters? Um, it's still a real mixed bag, but I think it is changing for the better. And I think it's um, it's definitely come down to to people like yourself, like like us on Send It Mate, just being real and, and putting ourselves out there and, and having conversations with people and... And, you know, it, it, if you want to change people's perception, as hunters, you have to kind of show yourself in the best light and, and not come across like a, a redneck, just killing machine. The old just, school mentality. Yeah, the real old but, school. What, but like, even just keeping quiet, you have to put yourself out there and have these discussions. Mm, so I definitely don't think you should ever shove something down someone's throat in terms of what you do hunting. Yeah. If they're not, so pick your, pick your audience sort of thing. Um, and and show people what you do. So up until recently, you wouldn't even wear camo in public. Like you <laughs> felt bad going into a service station wearing camo. True, you listen to the podcast. Uh, I, I listen to every episode <laughs> religiously, man. So yeah, well, whereas now this hunter's element camo hat, hat I have on, I wear literally everywhere. I wear it when I'm doing Oz Kick with my kids. I wear it to the shops. Like, it's on my head. It's a good conversation starter. It I is. do the same with my Huntec cap or my normal camo cap. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, 
Why are you wearing camo? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's funny actually. I went through Macca's for a coffee the other day and had this on. And uh, the one closest to me, there's there's a worker there. He's 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 got a good sense of humour. Yeah. And uh, I've rocked up to the window, and he's going, "Oh, dude, where's your head?" Yeah, uh, <laughs> dude, I, I get that at work routinely. <laughs> what do you like, mean? Half your head's missing, and because you don't pay attention to camo jokes, like because you just wear camo, it doesn't Correct. it doesn't click like no. it does for people who are seeing you wear camo. Yeah. Like I'll go to work, and people are like, "Oh, half your head's missing." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Like, what do you want? And they're like, oh, you're wearing camo. I'm like, so? It's <laughs> everyday wear for me. But, I mean, a hat is, is something fairly discreet, but, like, anyone who knows what they're looking at and realises it's not just, like, a, a name brand yeah. and it's actually a hunting brand, they'll quite often start a conversation. And I've had plenty of conversations with guys, like, in the, you know, the auto shop or the servo or wherever. If I see someone with camo on... And especially if it's a name brand camo, whether it's Hunter's Element, Spiker, Huntech, I'll go up to them and approach them. Like, yeah. So what type of hunting do you do? <laughs> like, you know, I'll rock up to site. I deliver plasterboard. I'll rock up to site and someone will have a hunting sticker on the back of their car. I'll be like, so what do you chase? What do you hunt? Exactly. Yeah. It's like- <laughs> or, or I'll go around the site and I'll be like, whose car's the Hilux with the Spiker sticker on it? I want to chat to them for half an hour, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like a discreet way of advertising yourself to those who are in the know. Yeah. Um, I was in town, Wallshed, oh, yeah. about five years ago, and there's this dude in the orange um, Huntech gear. Oh, yeah. Just on the dance floor dancing. The I've gone, he's wearing camo. He's wearing Huntech. I'm like, I'm Zach, how you going? Why are you wearing camo? Do you hunt? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, man, I'm from New Zealand, you know? Oh, wow. And just, just we chatted no- for like two hours, you know? <laughs> wow. I mean, you wouldn't expect that. Like, we're talking late at night at the bullshit? Oh, 3 a.m. What? So obviously <laughs> I had nothing else to wear. Because <laughs> I don't know if it should be your first choice. But anyway, well, it was a conversation starter. That's good. But... um. So that's, that's, I guess, talking to other people in your community. Yeah. Um, I guess I've, I've spent a lot of time talking to people who aren't hunters at yeah. all, um, especially when I used to work with other people um, more than I do now. Um, and people go, oh, and I've worked in a very professional environment where people had no idea yeah. I was until I talked about it. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was good from the fact that they could see that I was just a normal guy with exactly. family. yeah. With, you know, loves his footy, loves his music. Conversation. What'd you get up to on the weekend? Well, actually, I went hunting. Oh, yeah, even with your boss, like, oh, where where are you going on leave? Oh, I'm actually going over to Vic for a hunting trip. Oh, okay. And Hunting what? And then you get into the details. (laughs) You're like, well, you know, we have six species of deer here. We have deer in Australia. Yeah. Like, it's... (laughs) That's that's a big one with people. They don't realise. But I think another way of of being able to change people's perception is giving away meat. Yeah. So that's something we're big on is anything we shoot will, unless it's you know, culling something like a like a rabbit or a, a roo or whatever, but generally we take meat from anything else we'll, yeah. we'll kill. And then, you know, processing, making snags, making different cuts of meat and then giving that to other people. And I've given that to others at work and they've gone, oh, wow, thanks. I would have been at my current job less than a year. Went out spotlighting for a farmer and shot a bunch of deer. And I've rocked up at, at work with half a deer in an esky. Started cutting it up on the 
on the bench and cooked it up for everyone, cooked heart, you know, all the office ladies are having slices of a heart and tenderloin and backstrap and yep. cooked it up for everyone, you know, and these are people that have never had venison, they've never had anything to do with hunting or fishing or... Yep, yep. I've, I've had a lot of the same experiences and it's, it's a way of showing people that you're serious about what you do and yep. it's not just senseless killing it's exactly. it's for a purpose it's for conservation um and you, it's a it's a way of starting those conversations you can change a lot of people's perceptions um from on the broader side of things um look there's a lot of good work out there but it, i guess until the mainstream media narrative changes they decide that hunting's a good thing. What's your thoughts on hunting photos and stuff on Facebook? Because it does put it into people's views who don't want to see it, who don't normally see it. Um, I think, I think as hunters, you should definitely own what you do and be proud of it, and you should be able to put what you're passionate up on social media as much as someone who's I don't know, knitted a scarf has put up on Facebook and that's what they're proud of doing. I think you should be allowed to, especially in this day and age of individualism and expression. Like why why is hunting any less important as a personal expression? Demonized compared to the rest of the... Exactly. It's just because mainstream media has decided that there's a stigma there and, you know, hunting's bad. So from that perspective, I don't think... Anyone should be ashamed of yeah. what they do. I think you can exercise a level of discretion in terms of how gory it is. So maybe don't put, you know, a gut shot with, you know, the guts spilling out everywhere. Exactly. Not that you should Arrows be proud of the gut shot generally anyway, but... Arrows sticking out of animals. And yeah, just, just, just think about your audience, I guess, yeah. when you put something up. So you're not putting something out there that's, that's not very tasteful. I think you can be tasteful... Like, be proud, yeah, but be be tasteful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand, man. Like, when I first started started getting really into hunting through my mid to late teens, posting photos of bow shot goats and deer and, like, all these people that I went to school with, like, how could you do that? That's an innocent animal, rah, rah, rah. Mm. And it felt like the main start of my hunting, quote-unquote, career was defending myself about being a hunter. Mm. Like, close family, uncles, aunties, you know, my mum, like, she'd be commenting on there, like, look, I love you, but why are you posting pictures of dead animals? People don't want to see that. Mm. And, you know, you go on 10 years later and I'm still doing the the exact same thing, you know. Yeah. Had the global hate cat campaign, you know, and, like, (laughs) it's... I think, um, I mean, something we've been lucky with at Sendermate is our audience generally are on the same page yes so in terms of hate and and people having a go i reckon we've had one single comment in the i don't know 18 months we've been going that was negative and some dude having a genuine rip at us for something (laughs) um so we haven't had to deal with that negativity but it's because if we post an image of us one of us getting a deer yeah it's generally going to be to the community that love what we do anyway. Exactly. So Plus the algorithms have changed a bit, so you're not really getting random true. photos through the feed. Where when I first started posting to Instagram, it was just everyone was getting everything. Like there's, I know you're more into your alternative heavy metal style music. There's a rapper called Briggs. Yeah, I know Briggs. Um, yep. 
few years back, he posted a status about a hunting advertisement coming up in his Instagram feed. And it was a guy in Queensland that shot a rooster deer. Oh, yeah. And he's like, this is fucking disgusting. Rah, rah, rah. And I've commented on that. I'm like, mate, I'm a big fan to start off with. Mm-hmm. You're having a go at someone for hunting when your whole culture, because he is an Aboriginal an Aboriginal rapper. Yep. I'm like, you defend your culture, but your whole culture is built on hunting, yet you're having a go at someone for hunting a introduced species in your country where your whole culture is based on hunting. <laughs> like, And yeah, his, his response was, go get fucked, rah, rah, rah. See, that's... But I'm like... Dude, like, I'm still a big fan. I like your music. It's not the way to approach it, but come on. Like, it's your whole culture. What you preach is based on hunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bit strange, isn't it? Um, yeah, wow. That's that's a bit staggering, to be honest. But um, I see people attacking hunting, and that's just me. Like I, ha- like, I see someone complaining about hunting, and I'm like, I have to get in. Like, I'm going, I have to comment on this. Like, hunting mm-hmm. is my my lifestyle as it probably is yours as well mm. where i'm like i have to defend it like there's <laughs> all these people complaining like i have to say something i can't i can't help myself like i look I, I look forward to those conversations when if and when we become more mainstream yeah. and that's something we're definitely looking to do is not just you know fondle each other's balls in the same <laughs> community of yeah. hunters but actually get out into Reach the mainstream out, and, and educate people yeah in the wider community to, to, to help them realise that hunting is about a lot more things than just killing animals. Exactly, exactly. So you kind of touched on this already a little bit. How would you change the public views on hunting and hunters? Um, I think the, the best thing, and something we spoke with um, Nigel from Veteran Hunts on a recent podcast yep. of ours, is, is being able to show people what you do. And I don't think... and. <sighs> If you want to try and change someone's perception, there's definitely people out there that are just hard and fast, polar opposites, and you're never going to change yeah. your mind. Don't waste your breath on those people. Don't sit there and get into debates and just go back and forth with those people. It's not worth your time. The one thing there is that it is the one benefit is you're learning their, their views and their reasonings so you can use that for future discussions that's true and with anything be educated on the other side about why they put yourself in their shoes trying to try and work out why they're thinking what they're thinking yeah. don't be don't be one-eyed in your argument exactly um, i guess is the main thing try and educate yourself um from a more well-rounded perspective um but quite often you'll find that a lot of people out there they're not too far removed from the way you think. There just might be one or two key sticking points. And if you can work out what those sticking points are and show them concisely why you do what you do and the way you think the way you think with valid arguments and valid points, then you're much better off... With the data. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. no. Not Not the data and the statistics. Don't go full Ryan on them. <laughs> never go full. Sorry, Ryan. never go, go full Ryan. Like Tropic Thunder, we'll, we'll change the wording. <laughs> <laughs> don't go full Ryan. Just don't. Um, I've seen a lot of people turned off uh, if you go full Ryan. Yeah. 
just be just be friendly, but not yeah, don't 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 try and berate people into coming around to your way of thinking. Yeah. Because that's and unfortunately that's the world we live in now is people think if think someone doesn't I, think exactly the same thing you think, they're your mortal enemy. And you have to cancel them. And you have to cancel them. But it's just not the case. Yeah. Like we're a rich tapestry of human beings. We all have different opinions. We all have different upbringings and life experiences that bring us to think the way we think. Even as hunters, like you three are the prime, like Centimate Podcast is the <laughs> best example of how three people that love the same thing think completely different Correct. about individual subjects in the mm-hmm. in, in the whole lot, yeah. whether it's semi-automatics. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're, we're bonded over the same thing, but we... We think very differently. Exactly. And that's, and that's the beauty of it. That's what creates discussion. And that's what I like Send Mate Podcast is just because it's it's three people who love the same thing but have three totally different views on, yeah. <laughs> on We're all each. mates. We all argue. We all we, we don't blow smoke up each other's ass. We're not that aligned that we just you know, we have arguments on the podcast. Yeah, it's <laughs> But that's like any group of friends. You're, you're not gonna just completely agree with people you're friends with exactly um and yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna ever change someone's mind in an instant it's gonna be a gradual thing where you just sow that seed in their mind and they go then they go away and they think about it and then they come back to you and you have another discussion that's that's what i love about podcasts like a bunch of the podcasts i listen to they'll say something i'm like i'm not sure if i agree with that and I'll stew on it for days or weeks, and I'll be like, you know what? Maybe I do agree with it. Mm. You know, it's. And, and, I mean, that, firstly, with a podcast, it's the beauty of having a longer format, is that you can unpack things rather than a short little snippet. But then, you know, in real life, you you don't convince someone overnight. No. You, you you it might be a work colleague. They hate hunting, and you love it. You can break them down I've over had, time. Had all of this <laughs> <laughs> over time. It's not going to be overnight. Complaints to HR. Uh, this guy talks about hunting way too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're always going to have people like that in anything in life. So, yeah, don't pick your battles. But then also, you, you'll probably find a lot of people who you think are completely opposite to you. There's only a couple of key sticking points. So that's my my. My advice, I guess, to anyone out there in terms of changing the perception is just educate yourself for those conversations. Exactly. What is hunting to you? For me, primarily, it's an outlet. And for a lot of years, it was the only thing... I mean, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of interest in life outside of work, which is what everyone should have. Otherwise, work will get you down. So, I mean, I love my footy... I love the cricket. I love going to see live bands. I love music. Um, but then it's like hunting was just that next level of outlet that I truly felt like that religious experience you spoke about. I felt like this is what I'm meant to be doing. Yeah. So when I get away from the rat race, from work, go hunting, it recharges me. And whether that's by myself, sometimes you need that. But then with mates who are aligned in the same passion, yeah. there's just nothing better. So exactly. first and foremost, um, I guess it's an outlet for me in being able to deal with life um, and recuperate and recharge 
Yeah. And it's just an added bonus that it's, you know, a way of getting meat for yourself. Uh, exercise. Exercise. Well, I mean, it's a shooting's a perishable skill as well. Yeah. So <laughs> if you haven't been out for a few months, you're rusty. Yeah. So uh, I think the skill side of things is something I love as well because I like to be able to apply myself to something and get better at it yeah. through practice. And shooting is definitely one of those things that is the case. Exactly. How would you like to be remembered? <clears throat> um, how would I like to be remembered? <laughs> Hopefully as, as someone who... Uh, like whether it's to randoms or just to your girls, you know? Um, I mean, to my immediate family, I'd like to be remembered as, as a as a great dad, a good father. Um, and, I mean, one of the hardest, f- from that perspective, as a father, one of the hardest decisions I ever have to make was leaving their mum because I'm, yeah. I'm divorced and I have a new partner now. But um, I hated who I was yeah. when I was with their mum. And I... Only reason I didn't leave for the longest time was because I was worried about leaving a broken home yeah. and what it would be like for them. And so it was the hardest decision, but the best decision because uh, I, like I said, I didn't like who I was. I was cranky all the time because of the relationship. And you take that out on people, and you're not yeah. the best dad you could be. So yeah. I looked ahead and I thought, can I stay with their mum for, a, you know? the next 16 years till they're 18 and be a great dad and be happy at home and give them the best upbringing possible or is it actually better to to leave? And for me it was was actually better to leave and I'm much happier in my own self. Yeah. Uh, I have a great relationship now with my current partner and I think I'm actually quite proud of myself to be able to create a loving environment uh, and luckily enough, my ex-wife and I have been able to take ourselves out of it, put our kids first. That's 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 a great thing. Like I'm a I'm a stepdad myself, my seven year old. <clears throat> I'm a stepdad to him. Um, I'm also a product of a divorced relationship. Mm. So like without my parents splitting up when I was quite young, I doubt I'd be who I am today mm. without it. You know, it's. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a grumpy bastard. Yeah, in those, like as as joyous as it is having kids, and I split with their mum when we were, they were two. Yeah, it was heading down a path of me being not a very nice person, I yeah. guess. And um, like I don't have them all the time, so from that perspective, it's hard because you miss your kids when you yeah. don't see them. Um, but the time I do have with them, I make the most of, and yeah. we have great times together. And I'm much happy, much happier in life. No, that's good. And I, the way I see it now is, um, they probably just have more people in their life that love them and look after them. A hundred percent. And that I have a new partner. Their mum has a new partner. Yeah. And they just get you know, it's <laughs> they good get more Christmas presents now. <laughs> <laughs> it's look, it's it's honestly good when you can, like, it's taken my parents a very long time to, like, the first time I've had my parents and that together in the same place was when I got married last year. That's the first time they've been together in um what, twenty eight in twenty seven years. They've been in the same place for longer than ten minutes. Yeah wow. Like, you know, it's a it's a big thing. That's next And then with my my wife, her ex, my stepdad uh, my stepson's dad, you know, we can be in the same place and, you know, 
do things for the good of him, you know, and get along. And yeah, and that like that just comes down to putting your kids first, I guess, um, in being able to be in the same room and just just not be selfish. I guess exactly. Um, so, yep, being a great dad, probably a. I didn't do so well the first time around being a husband, so I'd like yeah. to redo that again and be a much better one. So these good things dad, take good work, man. It does these things it does. take work? But you know what? You learn a lot of lessons, and that's the that's the key. Is you do learning and improving. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move to a little bit of happier note. Um, what's the What's the most random fact you know, man? Oh, Josh has a small penis. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Nah. But in in <laughs> in consideration to the rest of the size of him, it's in proportion. Oh, uh, it is. <laughs> like the term Especially mo- the Dorito shape. <laughs> nah, I love you, bro. Um, and look, as best mates, unfortunately, we've... No, I'm not going to go there. This just sounds too weird. Oh, off penis. It's, it's fine. It's normal. I'm sure it's functioning well. Um <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I just I just felt like putting him down while I could. Um, probably because he says it's massive every time he's on our podcast. I'm feeling a bit like Josh in this singlet and, you know, nipple hanging, hanging out here. <laughs> <laughs> the most random pot fact I know. Yeah, wow. Probably should have researched this one. I don't know. I don't know what's... Come on, you're full of useless shit. You bring it out on your podcast am, all the time. I, ne- I need a, I need an inspiration. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what my most. Josh had had to research this one. We took twenty minutes to start the podcast because he's like, "Is it actually true?" Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, most random fact I know. I couldn't tell you, man. I could not tell you the, a random fact. That's why I've moved it from the middle of the podcast to the end because you can kind of just <laughs> <laughs> section it out if you need to. Really, I should have prepared you, but um, no, that's fine. How about I do? How about I think about it <laughs> in the back of my mind as we move to the next question, and then I'll. Well, the next question's wrapping it up, man. Oh, where can we find you on social media, and where can we listen to you? Well, Sender Mate Podcast is the name of the podcast. You can. Find us on Instagram at uh, Send a Mate Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well. And you can send us emails, sendamatepodcast at gmail.com. And you can listen us listen to us on any basically anywhere, yeah. any platform you get your podcast on. And if they want to just get in contact with you because they've liked what they've heard and Yeah, by all means, um, Instagram's probably the best way. We yeah. we're all three of us are on there. It's it's a bit of a, a gamble at who you get, and they don't sign off at who you're chatting to. So you you kind of have to listen to the podcast and then read and work out who you're chatting to. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we have suggested that people play this game of trying to guess <laughs> who is responding. So if there's, a I'm lot- usually alright, but I reckon once I confuse you and uh, you and Ryan, yeah. <laughs> Josh is pretty easy to get. You know, spelling errors. Yeah, and all yeah. Of that. So if, if Josh is dyslexic, so if the spelling so grammar is terrible, <laughs> then it's probably Josh. Uh, he's getting better over time, though. So I've got to give him that. He's improved a lot. Yeah, Ryan will just be random as f- anything. <laughs> um. I, I remember one day <laughs> I sit sitting talking to you about an episode. 
and it was like one message was you, one message was Josh, then Ryan would chip in, then it was back to you, then it was Josh. It's like, hang on. Look, it's a blessing and a curse that we're all on there, but... I think you were sitting outside a toilet block watching (laughs) watching people come in and out. Yeah, that's probably about the time I remember that, yeah. Um, and in all that, I've been madly trying to think of a random fact and I still haven't got anything for you, man. No, that's all good, man. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. You should have hit me up beforehand. I would have have got one for you. (laughs) Thank you for coming on, man. It's, uh, it's much appreciated. No, that's cool, man. It's a pleasure. Nah, all good. Thank you all for listening. Please find us on social media, Instagram at Hunting Connection Podcast, at (laughs) Facebook at Hunting Connection Podcast. Twitter at Hunting Connect. Also, please subscribe on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Rate and review. Thank you. Mm-hmm.